Part two of Chapter six of How to Analyze People on Sight. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. How to Analyze People on Sight Through the Science of Human Analysis The Five Human Types by Elsie Lincoln Benedict and Ralph Payne Benedict. Part two of Chapter six. Part two Love and the Thoracic. The thoracic in love exhibits the same general traits which characterize him in all his other relationships. The most beautiful woman. The thoracic woman is the most beautiful type of all. She is not pretty like the alimentive, but her refined features and beautiful coloring give her a distinctive appearance. The handsomest man. The thoracic is also the handsomest man of all. He is tall, high-chested, wide-shouldered, and has the masculine face resulting from his high-bridged, prominent nose and high cheekbones. The Thoracic Charmer The thoracic has more of that quality we call charm than any other type. Charm is largely self-expression by tactful methods. Since this type is the most self-expressive and the most tactful, it possesses naturally this invaluable trait. Both men and women of this type have an elusive, attractive something in their personalities that others do not have, a very personal appeal that makes an immediate impression. It pierces farther beneath the surface of strangers than other types do on much longer acquaintance. The thoracic does not seem a stranger at all. His own confidences, given to you almost immediately upon meeting you, remove all barriers. The Lure of the Thoracic there is about the thoracic person a lure that others seldom have. You do not attempt to describe it. You say, he is just different, and he is. No other type has his spontaneity and instantaneous responsiveness. So while the alimentive is always liked, it is in a more mild, easy, comfortable way. The alimentive does not stir the blood, but has a strong, tender, even hold on people. The thoracic, on the other hand, intrigues your attention, impales it, and holds it. Love at First Sight The thoracics fall in love at first sight much more often than other types. They also cause others to fall in love with them without preliminaries, for they pursue the object of their affections with a fire and fury that is almost irresistible. Hundreds of persons marry each year who have known each other but a few days or weeks. In every instance you will find that one of them is a thoracic, and usually both. No other type can become so hopelessly in love on such short notice. The Most Flirtatious The thoracic is a born philanderer. He does not mean to mislead or injure, but flirtation is second nature to him. This comes from the fact that flirtation, more than any other human experience, contains that adventurous, thrilling element he desires. Overheard in Transit We overheard the following conversation in the streetcar the other day between two young women who occupied the seat in front of us. I was sorry to hurt him, explained the thoracic. I did love him last week, and I told him so, but I don't love him any more, and I do love somebody else now. She really loved him last week. Thoracics can have a severe case of love and get just as completely over it in a week as the rest of us get over the measles. The Joy of Life 
A joy in living expresses itself in almost everything the thoracic does, especially when he is young. Such people appear almost electrical. These are traits of great fascination, and the thoracic uses them freely upon others throughout his life. Always blushing. His overdeveloped circulatory system causes the thoracic to blush easily and often. This tendency has long been capitalized by women, but is not so much enjoyed by men. Most easily hurt. Because of his supersensitiveness, the thoracic's feelings are more easily hurt than those of other types, as every one who has ever had a florid friend or sweetheart will remember. They forgive quickly and completely, but every little thing said, looked, or acted by the loved one is translated in terms of the personal. Bony people especially find it difficult to understand or be tolerant of this trait in the thoracic, because it is the exact opposite of themselves. They call the thoracic thin-skinned, and the thoracic replies that the bony man has a skin like a walrus, and each is right from his own viewpoint. THE CHIVALROUS THORACIC MAN With his keen intuitions, his sense of the fitness of things, and his trigger-like adeptness, the thoracic man easily becomes an attentive and chivalrous companion. Where the bony man is often oblivious to the fine points of courtesy, the thoracic anticipates his friend's every wish and movement, picks up her handkerchief almost before she has dropped it, opens doors instantaneously, and specializes in those graces dear to the heart of woman. He is likely to do as much for the very next lady he meets just as soon as he meets her. These ready courtesies cost the thoracic husband as many explanations as the caressing habit costs the alimentive. Breaches of Promise More bona fide breach of promise suits are brought against the thoracic man than any other. He thinks rapidly, speaks almost as quickly as he thinks, and about what he thinks. Consequently, many an honorable man has awakened some morning to find he has to pay the piper for an impulsive proposal made to a girl he would not walk across the street now to see. Many a girl, too, when she is in love with love, promises to marry, and the next day wonders what made her do it. This is the type of chameleon-like girl whose vagaries and sweet uncertainties form the theme of many short stories, in most of which she is pictured as the eternal feminine. She gets much attention. Nevertheless, many a man prefers this creature of a million moods to the staid and sedate girl of other types. So the thoracic girl seldom lacks for attention. She does not have as many intimate friends as the fat girl, for she is less comforting, and comfort is one of the first requisites of friendship. But she has a longer line of bows dancing attendance upon her, sending her flowers, candy, and messages. THE STUNNING GIRL Another reason why the thoracic girl has more attention from men is that she is the most smartly gowned of all the types. The new, the extreme, the very latest in women's clothes are first seen on the thoracic girl. She is the type men call stunning. Men prefer companions who appear well, whom other men admire. The thoracic woman demands the same of the men she goes about with, and for these two reasons many thoracics marry those in whom their own type predominates. THE MERRY WIDOWS Make a note of the dashing widows you have known, those who were called the merry widows, and you will recall a large thoracic element in each. 
for this type of woman, unlike the home-keeping alimentive, enjoys being a widow and remains one. She usually has many chances to remarry, but her changeable, gaiety-loving nature revels in the freedom, sophistication, and distinction of widowhood. The appearance of endless youth given by her alive, responsive personality deceives the most discerning as to her age. The woman of fifty who enthralls the youths of twenty-five is usually of the thoracic type. Refuses to grow old. This woman refuses to grow old, just as the alimentive refuses to grow up. She clings to her beauty as does no other type. She it is who self-sacrificingly starves herself to retain her slenderness, who massages and exercises and cold-creams herself hours a day before the shrine of eternal youth. Her high color, all her own, is a decided asset in this direction. This woman devotes as much attention to her grooming at sixty as the alimentive does at twenty. For this reason you may any day see two women of forty together, one an alimentive and the other a thoracic, and take the plump one to be several or many years older than the florid one. Love the Bright Lights Thoracic men and women care more about the bright lights than other types. The alimentive likes what he calls a good time, with fun and plenty of refreshments, but the thoracic's idea of a good time usually includes a touch of high life. This all comes from his love of thrill and novelty, and is innocent enough, but it leads to misunderstandings and broken homes unless the thoracic marries the right type of person. The osseous, for instance, has nothing in his consciousness by which to understand the desire for excitement which is so strong in the thoracic. We have all known good wives and loving mothers whose marital happiness was destroyed because they could not compel themselves to lead the drab existence laid out for them by their bony, stony husbands. In many cases the wife, who only wanted a little innocent fun, was less to blame than her unbending spouse. WHY SHE WENT INSANE One day, several years ago, we drove up to a lonely farmhouse in Montana just as a tragedy was enacted. The mother was being taken to the state asylum for the insane. The seven little children watched the strange performance, unable to understand what had happened. The father, a tall, raw-boned, angular man, was almost as mystified as the children. "'Crazy?' he said. "'I don't believe it. Say, what did she have to go crazy about? She hasn't seen anything to excite her. Why, she's not been off this farm for twenty years.' THE GAY DEVIL HUSBAND The same thing happens every day between severe, bony wives and their florid, frolicking husbands. "'She is a perfect housekeeper and a good wife,' exclaim her friends. "'Why should her husband spend his evenings away from home?' These questions will continue to be asked until we realize that being a good housekeeper and a good wife does not fill the bill with a thoracic man." A wife who will leave the dinner dishes in the kitchen sink occasionally and run away with him for a lark on a moment's notice is the kind that retains the love of her florid husband. A husband who is willing to leave his favorite magazine, pipe, and slippers to take her out in the evening is the kind a thoracic woman likes. She even prefers a gay devil to a stick, as she calls the slow ones. Makes him jealous. The thoracic man wants his wife to look well and be pleasing, but no husband wants his wife to be irresistibly attractive to other men. 
so it often happens that the thoracic woman causes her husband much jealousy. Her youthful actions and distinctive dressing make her a magnet for all eyes. If he happens to be too different in type to understand her naturalness and pure-mindedness in this, he often suffers keenly. Sometimes he causes her to suffer for it when they get home. Human analysis makes us all more tolerant of each other. It enables us to know why people act as they do, and, best of all, that they mean well and not ill most of the time. Dislikes the monotonous. The thoracic, you will remember, dislikes monotony. Everything savoring of routine, sameness, the dead level, wears on him. Three meals a day, 365 days in a year, with the same person, in the same room, at the same table, is unspeakably irksome to him. He may love that other person with completeness and constancy, but he occasionally demands what Bernard Shaw calls domestic change of air. My Wife's Gone to the Country was the biggest song hit of its year because there were so many florid men who understood just how that man felt. The florid wife is as loving as any other, but she heaves a sigh of relief and invites her woman friends in for a party when John goes away on business. Not easy to live with. Thoracic husbands or wives are not as easy to live with as the alimentive. They are too affectable, too susceptible to sudden changes of mood. They live alternately on the crest of the wave and in the depths, and rob the home of that serenity which is essential to harmony. Impulsive tendencies which make the sweetheart adorable are less attractive in the wife, and hubby's hair-trigger temperament she now calls just plain temper. Desirable Traits of Thoracics That they are the most charming in manner, the most tasteful in dress, and the most entertaining of any type, constitute the traits which make the thoracic husband or wife desirable and attractive. Live Beyond Means Husbands and wives of this type present this marital problem, however. They tend to live beyond their means. The husband in such a case seldom confides the true state of his financial affairs to his wife, while the thoracic wife, bent on making the best possible appearance, finds it almost impossible to trim down expenditures to fit the family purse. The habit of entertaining extravagantly, and almost constantly, also costs the thoracic household dear. The desire on the part of a thoracic husband or wife to move frequently from that particular house, neighborhood, or city presents another difficulty. Should marry own type. For the reasons stated above and throughout this work, the predominantly thoracic person should marry his own type as first choice. No other can understand his impulsiveness. His second choice should be a person predominantly of the alimentive type. The alimentive is more like the thoracic than any other, and in the places where they differ, the alimentive gives in with better grace than other types. The third choice may be a predominantly muscular person. In the latter case, however, the muscular should have either thoracic or alimentive tendencies combined with his muscularity. Because they are so different as to be almost opposites and therefore unable to understand each other, the last person the thoracic should marry is the osseous. Part 3. Marriage and Musculars The muscular does not marry early like the alimentive, nor hastily like the thoracic. His is a practical nature, and his practicality is expressed here as in everything else. 
back of his marriage you will often find some of the same practical reasons that prompt his other activities. Marries between 25 and 35. Most musculars are still unmarried at twenty-five when their alimentive friends have families and when their thoracic ones have had a divorce or two. But few musculars are unmarried at thirty-five, though at that age their osseous and cerebral friends are often still single. The muscular does not marry on nothing, and as he does not star in any line of work as early in life as the alimentive or thoracic, he does not have the means to marry as early in life as they but he is a splendid worker, gets something to do, and does it fairly well. The alimentive spends too much on food and other comforts, and the thoracic too much on luxuries, but the muscular, while not mercenary, saves a larger portion of his income. Make sensible marriages. So at somewhere around thirty the muscular is prepared to establish a home. By that time he has lived past the rash stage and selects a mate as much like himself as possible in order not to be thwarted in his aims for getting somewhere in the world, aims which dominate this type all his life. A mate for wearing qualities. This type selects his mate as he selects his clothes for wearing quality. He prefers plain, simple people for he is plain and simple himself. They are not carried off their feet by impulse, as are some of the other types. They therefore choose wives and husbands whose lovable qualities show signs of durability. The Most Positive Lover The muscular makes love almost as strenuously as he does everything else. He does not do it especially gracefully like the thoracic, nor caressingly like the alimentive, but intensely and in dead earnest. He does not cut short the courtship like the thoracic, nor extend it for years like the osseous, but marries as soon as the practical requirements can be met. The alimentive is the most affectionate in love, and the thoracic the most flirtatious, but the muscular is the most positive. The Fatal Handicap The muscular has more strong traits than any other type from the marital point of view, but he has one weakness of such magnitude that it often counterbalances them. His pugnacity causes him to give way frequently to violent outbursts of anger. In them he says bitter things that are almost impossible to forgive. This type's chief handicap in all his relations is his tendency to fight too quickly, to say too much when angry, and thus to make enemies. In marriage this is a serious handicap which loses many an otherwise ideal husband or wife the chances for happiness. Another muscular trait which makes life difficult for his mate is his tendency to be so generous with outsiders that his family suffers. Also, this type of husband or wife is inclined to sacrifice the social side of family life to work, and thus widen the distance between husband and wife as the years go on. Desirable Traits Working capacity, generosity, and squareness are qualities making for the success of the muscular marriage. The muscular wife, more than any other, helps earn the living when things go wrong financially. The muscular usually dislikes flirtations and gives his mate little anxiety on this score. Mates for Musculars The muscular has four choices in the selection of a mate. There is but one type he should never marry, and that is the osseous. The stubbornness of the osseous, when pitted against the muscular's pugnacity, causes constant warfare. 
the predominantly muscular person should choose a mate who is also predominantly muscular. No other type aids him in the practical affairs of the family's future. But it is well for him when this muscular has decided cerebral tendencies. Second choice for the muscular is a mate predominantly cerebral. The muscular in this case furnishes the brawn to work out the plans made by the brain of the cerebral, and the combination is one that stands a good chance of happiness. Third choice is the thoracic, and fourth choice the alimentive. Part 4. The Osseous in Love Bring to mind all the men and women you have known who waited ten, twenty, or thirty years for the one they had given their hearts to. You will recall that they all had large bones or large joints for their bodies. Such people are always predominantly osseous. The loved one may marry, but the bony man or woman remains faithful. It must be the one they want or none. The Riddle Solved this fact accounts for some of the incongruous matches in middle or later life of old friends who seem to be unfitted to each other. Often one of them has waited many years for the other to consent, for children to grow up, or for death to clear the way. One Lover Through Life Osseous men and women are so constituted that it is practically impossible for them to love many times during a lifetime. Bony people, even when young, have fewer sweethearts than other types. The large-boned boy or girl is usually ill at ease in the presence of the other sex, avoids social affairs, and does not attract love as early in life as the other types do. They suffer keenly from the near-ostracism resulting from this, but are powerless to change it. Live Apart From Others because they live more or less apart from their fellows, even as children, and tend to withdraw into themselves, the osseous see little of the other sex, learn little about it, and come to think of it as unapproachable. As we have seen, the alimentive feels at ease with the other sex, the thoracic charms them, the muscular cultivates them when he is in earnest, but the osseous avoids them. If he does not marry, he becomes more and more awkward in their presence as he grows older. Such a person will often go a block out of his way to avoid meeting a person of the opposite sex. Marries less often. This naturally leads to the unmated life which characterizes so many men and women of the osseous type. We asked you to recall the one or two alimentive bachelors and spinsters you ever knew, the three or four thoracics, and the not more than half a dozen musculars who didn't marry but it will take some time to enumerate the osseous people you know who have never married. This type constitutes a very large proportion of the unmarried. Most Difficult to Live With When the osseous does marry, he is the most difficult of all types to live with, because he is inclined to be immovable and unbending. To give and take has long been considered the secret of happy marriage, and certainly is one of them but this type finds it almost impossible to adapt himself to his mate. He wants everything in a certain way, at a certain time, and for a certain purpose. Whoever opposes him is pretty ruthlessly handled. Another marital liability of this type is his disinclination and inability to make new friends. He contributes to the family circle only those few intimates he has had for years. Likes to Dominate the osseous is inclined to dominate and often to domineer over his mate and over his family in general. This is as true of the women as of the men. As we have seen, 
Type and not sex is what causes the big distinctions between people. The Henpecked Husband Whenever you see a henpecked husband, look at his wife. You will always find that she has either large joints, large bones, or a square jaw. Many times we have heard men declare, they would show such a wife how to act, but unless they could change her boniness, they would find it difficult to show her much of anything. The reason the husband of such a woman seldom resists is because he is nine times out of ten an alimentive or a cerebral, types that prefer to be bossed rather than to boss. The same combination is usually present when the husband dominates the wife. He is almost invariably bony, and she is either alimentive or cerebral. And other women say, I'd like to show such a husband what I would do if he tried to tyrannize over me as he does over her. But such a woman often prefers a husband who relieves her of the responsibility of decisions, and two such people sometimes lead surprisingly happy lives together. Mates for the Osseous Therefore, the type best fitted to live in harmony with the predominantly osseous is the predominantly alimentive. Second choice is the predominantly cerebral, for the reasons stated above. There is no third choice. The pure osseous and pure thoracic should not marry, because they are too far removed from each other in all their tendencies ever to understand each other. The one type the pure osseous should never mate with is his own. Nothing but trouble results when two of the extreme bony type marry, for each has definite views, desires, and preferences, and neither can give in. Part 5. Love and the Cerebral The cerebral type takes most of his love out in dreaming. He is as impractical about his affections as about all else, and often nothing but hopes come of it. Next to the osseous, he marries less frequently than any other type head and heart in the clouds. The cerebral often remains single because he cannot come down to earth long enough to propose, or if he does, he is so gentle and timid about it that the girl is afraid to trust her life to him. Timidity his curse. Timidity costs the cerebral man most of the good things he could otherwise get out of life. He is almost afraid to fall in love, afraid to speak after he does, and afraid to face the hostile world with two lives in his hands. Women like him. The average woman likes the cerebral type of man, but seldom loves or adores him. His helplessness appeals to her motherly sympathy. Cannot buffet the world. But women are afraid to marry the extreme type, even when the feeling he prompts is more than mere protectiveness. They know he cannot buffet the world for them and their offspring. So, even when they love him best, they usually marry the fat salesman, the muscular worker who always has a good job, the thoracic promoter who promises luxury, or the osseous man who won't take no for an answer. Always leap year for him. When this type of man does marry, it is often due as much to her proposal as his. He is especially aided in his courtship if she happens to be a quick-spoken thoracic, a straight-from-the-shoulder muscular, or one of those determined osseous girls. The much-loved cerebral woman. The cerebral woman is more fortunate in achieving marriage than the cerebral man. The impracticality which so seriously handicaps him, since the husband is supposed to support the family, is not quite so much of a handicap to her. 
Men who love her at all, love her for her tenderness, conscientiousness, and delicacy, and deem it a pleasure to work for her, and she is one type of woman who usually appreciates it. THE CEREBRAL'S WEAKNESSES The tendency to dream his life away instead of doing tangible things that assist in the progress of the family is the greatest marital handicap of the cerebral type. Inability to make money results directly from this, and since money is so important in the rearing and educating of children, those who cannot get it are bound to face hardship and disillusionment. THE SADDEST SIGHT the most pathetic sight to be seen anywhere is that of the delicate, intellectual man who loves his family dearly, has the highest ideals, and yet is unable to provide for them. When Love Flies Out the Window When poverty comes in the door, love flies out the window, is a saying as old as it is sad. And it is as true as it is both old and sad. Despite the philosophers, who are all cerebrals themselves, Love should grow in sheltered soil, protected from the buffetings of wind and storm. Without means, no man can provide this protection. Happy marriage, as we have seen, is based on the cultivation of the strong points and the submergence of the weak ones of each partner. Poverty does more to bring out the worst in people and conceal the best than anything else in the world. So, although this type is high-minded, more idealistic in his love than any other type, and has fewer of the lower instincts, he makes less of a success of marriage than any other type. Mates for the Cerebral Because he lives in his mind and not in his external world, the predominantly cerebral must marry one who also is predominantly cerebral. The reading of books, attendance at good plays, and the study of great movements constitute the chief enjoyments of this type, and if he has a mate who cares nothing for these things, his marriage is bound to be a failure. The cerebral he marries should, however, be inclined to the muscular also. Second choice for this type is the predominantly muscular, and the third choice is the osseous. The firmness of the latter is often a desirable element in the combination, for the cerebral does not mind giving the reins over to his osseous mate. He does not like driving anyhow. The last type of all for the pure cerebral to marry is the pure alimentive, because it is farthest removed from his own type. These two have very little in common. Remember, in marriage, type is not a substitute for love. Both are essential to ideal mating. People contemplating matrimony are like two autoists planning a long journey together, each driving his own car. Whether they can make the same speed, climb the same grades on high, and be well matched in general, depends on the type of these two cars. But it takes love to supply the gas, the self-starters, and the spark plugs. End of Part 2 of Chapter 6